Uh, we've got a lot of really, really cool things going on at Alpine Church. Missions Week, uh, things that are happening, man, we're just really, really excited. This year, we've got some new partnerships that we have, and so we'd love for you to join in, uh, whether it's at the auction or serving at one of the campuses. Uh, we hope that you would uh, just join in. And, and I'm excited to be with you here today as uh, we're continuing on in our series on the seven deadly sins. And, you know, hopefully this has been a little bit of a, a challenging message for, for most of us, uh, if not all of us. I know for me specifically that, that some of the things that we've been talking to have really just kind of hit home to me. And, and, you know, when we think of this word sin, it can often be a churchy word, right? Sin is kind of this, this word that we blur the lines a little bit with. I mean, culture would say that our sin really isn't a big deal uh, as long as you know, we are enjoying life, or as long as we're having fun, or, you know, as long as we're just kind of living life to the fullest, then anything really goes. And we kind of say, well, sin, yeah, it's a churchy word. It doesn't really apply to me. Well, unfortunately, uh, that's not at all what God's word says. <laughs> his, his word says that our sin is a big deal. Uh, it really is a big deal. And that sin uh, separates us from a holy and righteous God. Uh, but we hope that as you've been kind of in this series that we wouldn't uh, be walking away feeling beat up, right? That we wouldn't uh, see that God is just being judgmental or condemning, but instead uh, that we would bring to light some of the things that maybe we're struggling with and that we would see that God wants to forgive us, He wants to restore us, He wants to renew us, and He wants to change us from the inside out. And so Hopefully over the, the last few weeks that you've really been challenged to do that. And so here are some of the, the sins that we've been talking about. Many of you know this seven deadly sins list, right? Uh, things like pride and lust and sloth and greed and envy and anger. And today, believe it or not, the day after Thanksgiving and jumping into the Christmas holidays, we are going to be talking about the deadly, deadly sin of gluttony. I can't even say it because I'm standing here in front of you as the chief of sinners. Like full transparency. I wanted you to know that I fought to not do gluttony the day after Thanksgiving, but here we are. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump into God's Word, into this, this very difficult topic, and really see uh, what He has to say about it, because here's the thing. Um, I don't know about you, but especially around Thanksgiving, I love food. Anybody in here love food, right? I love turkey. I love mashed potatoes. Well, I like dark meat turkey, but, but I like mashed potatoes, the green bean casserole, the yams with marshmallows on there, right? I like those things cranberry and stuffing, right? I like turkey. Anybody in here like turkey, right? I love pie. Pie. I like turkey. I like pie, right? We want more and more, right? I love food. And I, and I think it's just something that we all love. Now, here's just a confession to you, and I think I'm making baby steps in the sin of gluttony. I hate ham, right? I don't like ham, so I don't overindulge in ham. That's probably a good thing. But why is it that when we come to something like this, or when we talk about a subject like this, we look at glutton and we say, man, how could that be so bad? Like, how could gluttony or the love of food, or how could food be a bad thing, right? And when we come to this, we think, man, you know, is it really a bad sin to just love food? And here's what I would say. I think as we've looked at every single one of these uh, these sins in this series, it's not really the object of the thing that we desire that's the problem. It's really our heart behind it, isn't it? And so when we look at things like uh, money, money isn't a bad thing, 
Money is actually a really, really good thing. But when we strive and we long and we fight for more of it, that is where the sin of greed comes in, right? Self-value or self-worth, that isn't a bad thing. But when we elevate our opinions or our desires or the things that we want above God's or even above others in our lives, that's where the sin of pride comes in. Right? Uh, Intimacy, sexual intimacy in the confines of marriage, the Bible says, is a very, very good thing. But isn't it true that culture, that the enemy has distorted that view of what it should be, and we get into things like lust? You know, I I think it's the same when it comes to gluttony. Food isn't the, the, the object, isn't the bad thing. It's when we have the desire or the in excess or the need and we elevate it above God in our life. Uh, there's a definition, a couple of definitions uh, that I want to share with you on gluttony. I think we're probably a couple slides. The first is this. Gluttony is an unhealthy obsession over food and drink. Now, many of us would sit here and say, you know, I don't think I have an unhealthy obsession when it comes to food, right? Well, let's look at this, uh, this next definition. There's another definition that, that, that we've gotten, and it's this, is that it's excess in eating or drinking. And so there's this idea of excess, and it's not just food, it's drinking as well. And for all of you coffee lovers, I, again, have a confession to make. I'm on my third cup of coffee today, so if you see me out in the lobby, why don't you confront me and speak the truth in love? Tell me it's a little bit too much, right? That's an excess. But here, here's the truth. When we elevate, much like any sin that we have been talking about in this series, when we elevate that thing above God, it becomes an idol. And in what we read in God's word, anytime we put something above God in our life, that is called sin. And so today, what I want to do is just jump in really quickly and see what God's Word has to say about gluttony. Again, I don't think it's just food. I also think that it, it, it has to do with drink, maybe alcohol or, or whatever, and we're going to talk about some of those things today. But before we do that, why don't we ask God to really speak to our hearts through His Word today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you how important it is that you're a God who, who loves us enough uh, to share with us how important it is. Uh, to, to flee from sin or to abstain from sin in our lives. And I, I thank you, God, also that you're a loving, gracious God, a God who in the midst of our shortcoming, in the midst of our sin, loves us enough to want to forgive us and restore us. And so, God, uh, in any way, shape, or form, if there's anybody in this room that is dealing with this topic today, whether it's with food or with drink or in anything else we're elevating in our lives above you, God, would you gently and lovingly and kindly by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring it to our attention, and would you begin to change us, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so if you're taking notes, or maybe you're going to jump into a small group discussion this week, or in a mentoring relationship, we're going to be talking about this first point together today, and it's, it's this, is that God, I believe that God gave us food for our enjoyment God gave us food for our enjoyment, but I also believe that God gives us boundaries. Again, I want to make this very, very clear. Food is not a bad thing. (laughs) Food is not a bad thing. In fact, one of the kindest, most gracious, most loving things that God can do, that God does for us, is he provides for us, for our health. He provides food and he provides drink for us. And when we look at God's word, in fact, it talks about the importance of this in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. It says, 
So go ahead, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this. The enjoyment of food is a good thing. God providing food for us is a very, very good thing. You know, if we look in Scripture, all throughout God's Word, we see, uh, you know, people celebrating and enjoying God in the Old Testament, right? He had celebration and festivals where they would actually come together and they would eat together and they would enjoy a meal together. You know, we see Jesus Time and time again, when he was doing very miraculous things, uh, he, he was providing food. Many of you know the story when Jesus fed the 5,000, right? We, we read about that story in Matthew chapter 14. As he was feeding them the loaves, it says that they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, And so we see this picture of of food being a good thing and and Jesus providing miraculously in abundance, uh, allowing them to eat their fill and even having leftovers. Who's thinking about a turkey sandwich after the football game? I am, right? It's a good thing. But when we elevate those things above God or our desire or our need in excess of something, it becomes an idol. You know, Jesus himself, as funny as this sounds, he was accused of being a glutton. We read about it in Luke chapter 7 in verse 34. It says that the Son of Man, on the other hand, he feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Right? We know in God's word that Jesus didn't engage in sin. He was without sin, and so we know that this isn't truth. But one thing that we know is that he valued a good meal with friends, (laughs) You know, there's just something that's so powerful when it comes to having a, a, a meal or dinner with friends or family, right? It's like Thanksgiving. You come together and you're thankful and you're enjoying the meal together because it was meant to be a good thing. And so we need to understand that food in itself is not a bad thing. It's where we view it or where we place it in our life. You see, God gave us the enjoyment, but he also gave us boundaries, food and drink, everything in moderation, and so when we read about this, he, he then gives us you know, healthy direction on what happens if we do these things. If we read in Proverbs chapter 23, uh, we read this very clearly in, in verse 20 through 21. It says, do not carouse with drunkards or, or, or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty, right? It's the book of wisdom, and it's saying, Solomon's saying, like, these things lead to destruction, But here's what I want us to see. If we jump to verse 19, right before Solomon is giving this wisdom, he says something that I think is really the key to the whole thing. He says this. He says, my child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart. Everyone say heart. Keep your heart on the right course. You see, it's it's not the food It's not the wine, it's not fill in the blank, that's the bad thing. It's the condition of our heart and how we make it in our lives, how we pursue the need for more of it. You know, wine or alcohol doesn't cause drunkenness. A sinful heart does. A blurred heart pushing the lines does, right? Food in itself 
good food does not cause gluttony. It's a sinful heart and a desire to pursue more of it in our lives. That's the sin. You see, I think we need to understand that God made both food and wine for us to enjoy when used in its proper, uh, its proper understanding in our lives. You know, I, I think about this and how we can just kind of be like, oh yeah, this isn't really a big deal, right? And haha, this is so funny, we're doing this about Thanksgiving. But, but here's the thing, and this is the, the, the most important thing for us to understand. Again, whenever we put something above God in our life, I believe that's the clear definition of sin. And gluttony, at the root of it, isn't just a physical issue. It's a spiritual one. And so that actually leads us to our, our second point today, and it's that gluttony, gluttony is a false pathway to comfort. You know, we've, we've been talking about every single one of these sins specifically and how they are all a false pathway to something, right? Sin in itself, whatever it might be, it usually leads to something that it can't fulfill. And the reason why is because there is one thing in our life that can fulfill us and sustain us. And that is a relationship with the living God. And so what happens with gluttony is we use things like food or drink to satisfy really this deeper craving that every single one of us have in our life. Have you ever wondered why culture makes it so easy uh, to, to be gluttonous, right? Like think about this. We have, uh, you know, uh, fast food restaurants that are open just about everywhere. We have media bombarding us with a, a great-looking hamburger or a cheeseburger, right? Like, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We have access to whatever we want. You know, my, my wife and I, we, we go out to restaurants, and what we've been doing lately is we've been sharing because have you noticed that the portions that they give you are just so big, right? And so we just say, hey, we're going to save a little money here, and we're going to share a meal and anytime we ask for another plate, why is it that they look at me so weird? You know what I mean? Like, this is not a weird thing. You know, I, I think of, like, places like McDonald's and, and, you know, some of these places. Do you know that they actually condition and they put things in their food to make us long for it and to crave for it? I mean, case in point, McDonald's Coke is the best thing on planet Earth. Can I get an amen, right? Can we get an amen in here? We got two yes. Okay, don't strike me dead right now. But there's something about McDonald's Coke that is so much better than every other single Coke on the planet, right? And do you know why that is? Because they, I guarantee, I mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure they put this special syrup in there that makes it just taste better. But here, here's what I want, what I'm just going to, again, just be full transparency. Why is it that when I'm at my worst, you know, when the day has been bad or if I'm struggling with depression or being depressed or I've had a difficult situation in my life, why is it the first thing that I want is an ice-cold Coca-Cola from McDonald's? <laughs> or maybe two, right, because it's only a dollar. That's a good thing, too. Here's the truth. The majority of the time, gluttony is, isn't just a physical issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a deeper issue. This book that we're reading by Graham Tomlin, some of the teachers on, on the teaching team, it's called The Seven Deadly Sins. He says something that's pretty interesting to me. I want to share it with you. He said, food is not a neutral thing. And in some complex way, our attitudes to food are bound up with our spiritual and emotional health. You know, why is it of us who, when we are sad or we've had a difficult day or we, we're depressed or for those of us who get hangry when we're hungry, you know what I mean, right? 
Why is it that when we get to those feelings, that the first thing that we want to do is go to something like food or drink? I mean, why is it that, that we have these things where we find comfort? You know, it's this common idea. There are research and study that have said that this thing is very real. It's called emotional eating or emotional drinking, right? Because I think the truth is, is what happens is sometimes there's a deeper issue or a deeper thing that we want to mask it with some kind of comfort. You know, uh, many of you know my little brother, uh, he had a history with, with uh, heroin use, and about three, a little bit more than three years ago, he lost his life to an overdose. And uh, shortly kind of leading up into his, when he died, um, I was doing this thing called CrossFit. I don't know if anybody's heard of CrossFit. Uh, most people say that anybody who's done CrossFit is crazy because all they do is talk about CrossFit. I'm not going to do, well, I'm not going to do that that much, but... I remember that I was doing this thing, and, and it was a place where I found community, and I was eating healthy, like I was counting like fats and carbs and protein, and it was kind of aiding along with this program to get maximum results, right, and I was feeling so healthy. And I remember when he died, I got so depressed that I just literally gave all that up. And I haven't been back to CrossFit ever since. And I went from CrossFit to NoFit, right, and I've been drinking McDonald's Cokes <laughs> ever since. Why is it that in the midst of whatever it might be that we go to something else? And again, it doesn't just have to be food or alcohol or drink or whatever it might be. There's other things that we do in our life. It's because there's this deeper need inside of us. There's this emotional, spiritual need that only God can fill. And we do just about everything to, to kind of fill that need with anything but him. You know, Jesus, when he... When he was teaching, he would use this, these analogies of, of food, physical food. And I think it was because, you know, food and, and drink, water are important parts of our physical life. But he, what he would do is he would use it for a spiritual understanding that that's not at all the most important to us. But Jesus said that there's something more important, and it's a spiritual need. If we look in John chapter 6, verse 51... Jesus says this, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. You see, physically, we need food to survive. <laughs> physically, we need water to survive, right? We need these things to physically survive. And that's not going to change but what we need to understand is that we have a bigger, more spiritual need, every single one of us. And what Jesus was saying is that only he can satisfy that need. You know, we, we read a little bit more about this in places like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, where the Bible makes a connection to these, you know, deeper issues that we have something inside of us that wants to be filled. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, this is what we need to do. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, you see, I think what happens is for many of us, we try to fill a, a void or a need and we do whatever it is that we do to kind of mask that need in our life. Whatever it is that, that will bring us joy in, in a difficult situation or, or, or whatever it will do to kind of numb the pain. You know, whatever it will do to kind of bring us comfort and we try all of the things of this world when in reality, the only thing 
that can satisfy or the only thing that can bring joy and confidence and self-control is the presence of God in our lives through the Holy Spirit. In fact, we read about that just four verses later in Galatians 5.22 where it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And self-control. The Holy Spirit produces true peace in us. The thing that needs to be filled, the thing that we try to grasp to fill that need in our life, only God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, can do that. And we do it with food, we do it with drink, we do it with so many other things. God is saying, I want to be what will give you <laughs> what you're looking for. And so, how does this translate really into our lives practically? You know, we've, we've tried to give an antidote to every one of these sins that we've been talking about over the, the last few weeks. And, and here's, here's what I want us to see about the, the antidote to gluttony in our lives. And I think it's twofold. And some of you may think this is crazy because we've been talking about gluttony. But the antidote to gluttony is both feasting and fasting. Really what it is, is it's putting food, putting a proper perspective, uh, putting a proper place of food in our lives and understanding what it is truly meant to be for us. And so here, here's what I want us to understand. Again, food is not the bad thing. It's what we make of it in our lives. You know, I, I think that if we look at God's Word we see God providing, and we actually see this picture of what heaven's going to be like. We read about it in Revelations 19. The angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who were invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. You see, when we feast, we begin to understand that what we have, the nourishment, the nutrition, the food, the drink, whatever it might be, that comes from the Almighty God, the one who provides all things. And when we have a proper perspective that God is the provider of all things in our life, then we begin to understand that He's everything. He's the one who gives every good gift. He's the one that provides our nourishment. He's the one who gives all of those things. And so when we come to things like Thanksgiving or Christmas, we begin to say, wow, God, look at all of the great things that you have done. Look at how you have provided. Look at how you have mastered my wife's ability to make pecan pie, right? Thank you, God. Wow. And you see, we begin to understand this idea that one day we are going to be able to feast with the creator of heaven and of earth. And when we begin to put that proper perspective that God is number one in our lives, it impacts everything. It impacts our life. It impacts our money. It impacts the way that we treat our bodies. It impacts every single part of us because God is at the very forefront of our lives. And then on the opposite side of that coin, we see this idea of fasting. Right? Fasting is the, the ability to, to, for a time, say, I'm going to refrain from eating. And it's not just food, but it could be other things. But in this, this context, I'm refraining from eating. I'm refraining from understanding that everything that I need comes from God, right? I, I believe that and trust in that. And so what I'm going to do is say, even my hunger, even my desire to have food, I'm going to say, God, you are more important than that. 
God, I'm going to give this day or this week or this three days or this hour, and I'm going to say, God, you are more important. You are more life-sustaining than this food or this whatever it is. And you see, Jesus himself modeled this. You remember the story where, where Jesus was being tempted by the enemy, right? And, and, and the Bible says that he went out for 40 days fasting. I mean, that's a long time. For 40 days, and as he was fasting, you know, as he was going through those things and those feelings, and he's connecting with God, the enemy was, was trying to attack, and, attack him and, and trying to, to tempt him. And do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you see what he was doing? Is he was putting God above all things in his life. Everything in this world is less important than my relationship with God Almighty. You see, that's, that's what fasting is. That's saying, listen, God, I'm going to refrain from something, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to put you at the very forefront of my life. And so what does this, what does this mean for, for us? Maybe you're here today, and you, you, you struggle. You struggle with something. Maybe it's a struggle with with food, you know, maybe it's a struggle with alcohol, maybe it's a struggle with something else. How do we begin to say, God, I want to put you at the very forefront of my life? Well, the first thing I think is that we, we repent, we confess, we say, God, I've done things in my life that have put me, my desires, my needs above you. And God, I want to, I want to ask for your forgiveness. And then, God, would you then help me to, to live with the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Repentance and life change by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I go back to John chapter 6 because, you know, maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, look, <laughs> okay, gluttony, kind of a funny thing that you did the day after Thanksgiving, whatever, or the week after, but this doesn't really apply to me, right? Like, I, I, food isn't a big deal, and I'll struggle with drinking, I don't struggle with, you know, this really isn't for me. Well, here, here's what I would say. Every single one of us in this room is not exempt from the way malnourished because of our sin. Spiritually, we have a chasm, a chasm that separates us from an almighty, holy God. And the only way that that can be fulfilled is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, in, in, in John chapter 6, the people were saying, well, Jesus is teaching and, and they're all around him and they're coming. He's been doing miracles and they want to hear more about Jesus and what Jesus is teaching. And you know what they said? Jesus, we want you to show us a miracle. Moses, when he was leading our ancestors through the wilderness, God showed them a miracle. Manna from heaven. We want you to do that. And you know what Jesus said to them? Jesus said, I have something more important than physical sustainment. I have come from heaven. I have stepped down from heaven and I have come to be the bread of life. And those who partake of me, those who have relationship with me, will never be hungry spiritually again. You see, that, that impacts every single one of us. And so wherever we're at, all we have to do is believe and confess that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He lived the life that we couldn't live, a perfect life without sin, and he died. He paid that penalty, that wage of death on the cross. He defeated death, rose to new life. And the Bible says that if we believe and confess, we will be fulfilled both here on earth and also for eternity. We will never hunger spiritually again. 
And so wherever we're at on our journey with God, he's saying, listen, I'm here. I'm here for you. All you have to do is believe. And so today, friends, wherever you're at on your journey, would you understand that God is ready to change your life? If you would put your faith in him and believe in him, he will change you forever, both now and for eternity. Let's pray. Father, we we come to difficult subjects like this, but God, they were important enough for you to include in your word because, God, they impact us in some way, shape, or form. And so, God, as we have dug into your word and what it says today about a difficult topic for some, God, would you do what only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you tug on our heartstrings and bring to the surface what it is that we need to lay down at your feet? God, there are some in this room for the very first time have just heard the message of a loving God, a good God who wants to be in relationship with them. God, would you show them, them, them their need for you? And would you change their life, Lord Jesus? God, for those of us who maybe struggle in some way, shape, or form with whatever sin it is, God, today, may we lay it at your feet and would you change us from the inside out. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.